Thank you for checking out this episode on Really Dicey's Game Master podcast. You can see the video version of this discussion on YouTube, as well as more content on reallydicey.com. Murder hobo. What, what is a murder hobo? Where did the term come from? I don't know. I don't know where the term came from, <laughs> but it is a uh, derogatory term, like often a humorous term. It's, it's sometimes applied to uh, what people think is an old style of playing D&D. Uh, the idea is that the PCs have no home and they have no stakes in the community and they just wander about, hence the hobo bit, um, taking everything that isn't nailed down and killing indiscriminately. PCs are just there to be killed. They're the murder bit. The ironic bit is that thing is that um, this is an old school play at all. This is not the way old D&D was played. Um, it was specifically set up that way to not be played like this. Old D&D was very dangerous um, and you didn't get any experience points for killing monsters. You got experience points for gold captured. And so it, re, uh, it expected the players to be smart and think outside the box and only fight when you had to. So, but nowadays, lots of people are murder hobos. <laughs> it is definitely a style of play. Uh, and Manny, you had a lot of experience with that. Yeah, I, I grew up with murder hobos. My my almost my entire early uh, game mastering career, um, but you know, it's my, my the people I played with were all like teenagers, and we all lived in the city, and a lot of us had stress. A lot of us had things to deal with. So what better way to vent all that stress is through role playing. And, you know, uh, it's, that's not unusual. I sometimes with video games, especially like Grand Theft Auto, games like that, when I used to come home from work, I needed something to vent and those games were perfect for that. If you if anyone's watching this and is having trouble with murder hobos, I'm assuming uh, some watching this may, may be having that. I'm assuming it's because you haven't talked to your players haven't done a session zero yet and talked your adventure through. It's, it's a, it is a horrible situation where you have a campaign ready and you haven't talked to your players and they all you want to do is burn and destroy everything. Um, luckily, I, I knew my players beforehand. Um, and most most times it's just uh, they uh, would, we would play a session, I would create a world for them and they just want to get away with uh, destroying and robbing everything. Um, so I just adapted to that. Uh, in the beginning, I, yeah, maybe I did have some storylines planned, um, and but I would save those for more serious players or different different adventures. Once in a while, these players, once they uh, vented out their frustrations, they do eventually want to play something more serious. I have noticed that. Uh, it's something that maybe they've seen on TV or something they watch in the movies or anything or like Conan the Barbarian, Lord of the Rings, anything like that. My suggestion, my number one suggestion is definitely talk to your players. Um, don't don't start a, a serious game or any game without um, finding out what you're what what are they looking for? Are they looking for something serious, something uh, something mon like Monty Python? Maybe just again looting and destroying everything, um, and then see if that you're okay with that. Uh, I was totally okay with that. I, I had a lot of fun. Um, it, uh, improving. It taught me how to improv, how to deal with all sorts of different situations I wasn't prepared for. You know, they go to a, a magic store and want to buy something, and then they realize, wait a second, what's the level of that shopkeeper? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> is, 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 is there anyone around? Um, and then suddenly a fight breaks out, and um, things happen. Um, and but it, you know, I, you kind of learn like, okay, how do I adapt to this? How do I make it challenging so that they just stop? 
destroying everything and then feel like this is like an easy mode video game type of thing. Um, I, I would make it a, maybe the shopkeeper is actually a dragon. Uh-oh, what, what did you do now? Um, so uh, that's what the, that's I, 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 I am totally okay with Metal Holbo campaigns as long as the players and I discuss it beforehand and, um, and that gives me sort of a chance to sort of prepare if that makes sense, because you can't really prepare for a murder hobo campaign. Anything can go. Anything can happen. Um, but uh, but it, to me, it's a it's a good muscle for brain muscle for for improving and and learning to deal with new encounters and situations. So Seth, um, you've uh, you've played a lot. You've played at tables with murder hobos. You've also seen it in a lot of computer games, right? A lot of. Well, uh, Computer games. One of the yeah. one of the things I was going to say is a lot of the earlier computer games never really touched this, or never really touched on consequences because, yes, you just go out. They were just made to go out and kill everything and grab anything that's not nailed down. It wasn't really till the rise of Ultima Four, I think, in the early '80s, where they actually had consequences. Where you were in a town, they had guards, and because before then you just go in every, anybody's house, ransack them, take anything valuable. There, if you tried to do that, A, the person wouldn't talk to you anymore. And B, as soon as you came outside, there'd be guards wandering around and they go to kill you or put you in jail. So it wasn't really until, until the rise of that that we started to get consequences and try to tap, not really camp down murder hobos, but to make more um, authentic, meaning you have consequences for your actions. So you think about it a bit more rather than just blow everything up. Sure, sure. You, you know, I'm oh, sorry to jump in. Um, you know, a lot of new players, and I've noticed this not just from back in the day, even at PAX East. When I played with new players from PAX East and all the experience beforehand was just video games, I noticed that uh, the 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 uh, actions of a murder hobo <laughs> uh, come and play because that's that's what they see in video games video games um i i do it too i'll i'll play any rpg or action game and i always look for a way to break the code way to do something and so that i could gain the most points or items or whatever i need i've noticed that if if new players come in and they have that i i don't fight that either i just like this is a good way to experience a, a, a different game role playing especially in the beginning in the old days was very hard to describe to other people especially new players um either they understand acting or they ex they understand you know playing a video game and hacking and slashing or some sort of uh board game like that um so uh it, but you know I, I it's just something i think new players want to do in the beginning sure Sure. What about you, Seth? Do you, do you like murder hoboing? Well, it does have its uses. If, as Emmanuel was saying earlier, if everybody's in that mindset, there's nothing worse than having everybody trying to do a serious game and one person being the murder hobo and ruining it for everybody else. Yeah. So you all, you all have to be on board, either all doing murder hobo, and as Emmanuel said, the DM's okay with this, or not. You can't really do a mix because then your campaign won't go anywhere. Yeah, I think you're right. So let's talk about ways to stop it. You know, because we've already said, talk about it ahead of time. And if everybody's good with it, go for it. But what if it's a problem? What if, uh, you know, they're 
some some of the characters are doing it, um, and some of the characters aren't. Um, how can you discourage that? I, I think there are several ways to do it. One Seth touched on would be consequences, right? You know, if you if they kill the shopkeeper, word gets out they're murderers. <laughs> you know, that's bad. They shall kill the shopkeeper. Um, another is to, to look at how this came about. Uh, I think it might have been an unintended consequence of the shift of experience points. Like I said before, experience points in, in old D&D and the earlier editions were given for gold captured. Um, so, so this was all about exploration. The idea was you go into the dungeon and you manage to grab some treasure and get out. And, and, and that's what you know, that's where your experience came from. That's how you get better at it. Uh, and well, somewhere along the line, second edition, somewhere on there, um, they started giving out um, experience points for killing monsters. It was right there on the end of the monsters, you know, stat block. How many experience points are you worth for killing? Well, players, whether they realize it or not, are, will learn to do things they're rewarded for. <laughs> if they're rewarded for killing every for something, they will kill things. Um, and that's also how you get a lot of just fights to the death where, where both sides just stand there and hit each other until somebody dies. Um, because the, you know, they're not getting experience points for running away or for even winning the combat. They're getting experience points for killing the creature. So, you know, they get experience points for murder. <laughs> um, you don't so, want it. You don't. Sorry, just to jump in. No, you don't no. want it just for uh, gold either, especially in like an urban or city setting, because then the murder hobos will just ransack ransack everybody looking for spare gold. Right. Um, right. I I do like on some of the some of the ones the systems they would report they would reward experience for solving a mystery or story related stuff yeah, yeah. there there are lots of different ways to uh, award experience points and uh, i would like to do a whole video on that uh, basically boils down to reward the the type of thing you want to see in your game um so i think that's a, a really good fix for murder hobos would be kind of tweaking the experience that you give out um, another fix uh, particularly something that they tried in in old dnd was the alignment system Right, you said, well, you know, that's that's against your alignment. Um, and old D and D alignment used to be a lot more punitive than it is now. Um, nowadays, uh, if you're a paladin, you'll get in trouble. But you're a fighter, eh, no one really cares, you know. But in the old days, if if you broke your alignment, you know, the the DM will say, um, okay, the gods are coming down on you, and you've you've lost a level. You would lose levels for alignment fractions. So, you know, that's another way you could do it. Um, one, one of the ways, um, not to go back to an old video game, but in, <laughs> in Ultima 4, which was another reason why it was a breakthrough at the time, is that you were, you as a player character were supposed to be the embodiment of a bunch of virtues, valor, justice, honesty, and the game was made that you had to do these virtues. Valor, you couldn't run away from a fight. Um, justice, you 
if you were fighting an, a non-evil animal and they ran and they started to run away, you had to let them run away. In the background, each each of them had a score. And as you did certain things, you didn't lie and stuff, the score would go up. And you were supposed to presenting yourself as this paragon of virtue. Sure. Um, yeah. I think the guy who made it, Richard Garriott, called it ethical hedonism. But <laughs> anyway, that, that's another thing. Yeah. That, that, try that, to discourage yeah. murder hobo. Right. That's, that's, that's being a little more strict on alignment. So that, yes. that's one way you could... Uh, that's one way you can handle it. So consequences, alignment, experience, the, the way you're giving it out. And as Emmanuel said, a session zero, really talk about it ahead of time. Because a lot of us want to play heroic games and, and evil characters, murder hobos are just not heroic. And uh, the last thing I have to say about it is that um, you don't have to play with murder hobos. <laughs> uh, you know, if you might want to leave the game, even if you're the GM. Sometimes there's an there's an expectation that it's all about making the players happy. Well, you know, you're a player too. You're you're playing the game, so you know uh, you don't have to run a game for a bunch of murder hobos. <laughs> if they just keep trashing your world and killing everything, and and you're not having any fun, tell them that, and and maybe try to gently encourage them to stop. But maybe maybe the you will just have to part ways. Oh, one, one last thing. I, uh, another idea might be to change uh, role-playing systems because it, it, it is easy with D&D. Mm. Um, the, the allure of murder holboism, <laughs> the, the allure is there. You know, like even with, with serious players, you know, if, if you uh, see a monster that has a, you know, that's worth a lot of experience points, uh, you're kind of thinking, wait, if we take this out, we could gain a level. That might not be murder hobo per se but it's it's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the same idea of like destroying something and, and gaining something out of it um so like anything like like the year zero engine from like like vason or um uh what's another good one um uh, uh, some of the other that doesn't use experience points as as a as a way of gaining levels uh yeah. those those type of systems might be better yeah, the storyteller the storyteller system doesn't really I mean, they have experience, but you only get like two a session or something. And uh, Call of Cthulhu, you get experience yep. for using yep. your skills and things. So yeah, yeah. and you know, um, you could also you could try using the carrot instead of just the stick. Hmm. Try to involve them, make the PCs nicer. Try to trick them into caring about the children instead of hmm. killing them. Play on their sympathies. You know, they've got a great humanity left in them. Doing what you said before, make them have a stake in the yeah. wherever they are in the community. Yeah, yeah. I had a weird session once where uh, at the 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 bad guy at the end had a uh, like a baby dragon as 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 its pet as its vil as to, to help it do its evil yeah. things. Yeah. And when they were about to fight it, I revealed that uh, the the animal the dragon was abused and 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 and. Um, uh, forced to fight for the master. And once I revealed that, it totally changed their their um, uh, momentum a little bit. Like they were like, "Oh, let's destroy the baby dragon and destroy the the bad guy." I was like, whoa, 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 let's try to free the baby dragon instead, and right. and um, and right. stop the bad guy. Maybe even turn the baby dragon against its master. Uh, that that was a very interesting scenario. That, like you said, by by maybe like making the characters care a little bit, mm. might change mm. their their murderous ways. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a give, give them more 
Right. Give them more options. Like killing everything. Okay, that is an outcome. But right, figuring out why people, why the monster is doing this, why it's there. Go a little deeper and have another option for people who want to delve more and not just run in and kill stuff. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Things to do besides stealing and murdering in role playing games. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you like this sort of stuff, like and subscribe, and we'll do it again. So, till next time, see you later.